I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep. You're going out and you're coming in from this time on and forevermore. A reading from Romans 8, 26 to 28, a translation by Eugene Peterson from his book, The Message. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition, and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Thank you, Mary. And the scripture has been read. Let us be together in a moment of prayer. God, we feel the presence of your spirit in this place, the energy and exuberance of our children and our young people, the spirit of commitment and mission. We pray that that spirit will now be upon me. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So friends, when I was at the gym this week, I almost ran into somebody, collided with them, and I was so glad I didn't. When I read their t-shirt, their t-shirt said, stay away from me. <laughs> I don't like people. And yet it was just a few minutes after having run into Debbie Downer or Dennis Downer, as the case may be, my spirits were uplifted because I ran into a woman who had a t-shirt on and it had one word on it. And guess what that word was? It was perfect for this Sunday morning. Pray. And so thinking about my sermon coming up, I couldn't help but I went up to her and I was so bold and I said, I just want to tell you, I really like your t-shirt. And she said, I pray continually. <laughs> the whole sermon right there. <laughs> pray continually, pray constantly, pray without ceasing. Pray when you get up in the morning, when you swing your legs out of your bed. Pray when you're at the stoplight at Mission in 71st Street. Pray when you're on the plane, ready to, get, to take off on the runway. And pray when you put your head on the pillow late at night. Pray continually. Pray without ceasing. Be persistent in prayer. Be tenacious in prayer. That's the message that Jesus is giving us 
this morning. One of my favorite stories in the gospel is the story of the unjust judge. Perhaps some of you remember that story where the unscrupulous, not straightforward judge is being pestered by the widow, the poor widow, pleads to hear her case, but the judge refuses to listen to this poor widow and to listen to her case. But finally, the judge is just so exasperated that finally he listens to her case. And the message Jesus says, how much more will God listen to us when we go to God in prayer? When I think about that story and about the unjust judge, and I'm reminded of something that Frederick Buechner says, he says, even a stinker won't give his child a black eye when he asks for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> Frederick Buechner says, be tenacious is what Jesus is saying. Not one assumes because you have to beat a path to God's door before he'll open it, but because until you beat the path, maybe there's no way of getting to your door. Now I know there's all kinds of ideas about prayer and how to do it. And do you pray on your knees? Do you pray with your eyes closed? Do you pray with your fingers on your hand? Mary Leah really liked that a lot all these different ways of thinking about how we pray. What's interesting to me is that people assume that if you're a pastor, right, Ryan, that you know better how to pray than other people. You've got the inside track. How many times have I gone to a church potluck down in the fellowship hall and the smell of the tuna noodle casserole is wafting through the air and into your olfactory senses and mouth-watering fresh apple pie and you're standing there with a fork and a knife and your plate and you're ready to dig in but wait the pastor's not here he's now offered the blessing we can't eat until the pastor comes and offers the blessing as if we had some special connection i remember sometimes going and visiting people in the hospital and i'd be visiting with somebody and then at the end of the visit and often this is the case as a pastor will say well would you like to pray would you like a prayer and I remember I went once and a woman said to me pastor if it would help you to pray you can pray <laughs> so many funny stories about pastors and prayer. One of my favorites is I had an associate pastor at Plymouth Church once, wonderful young man by the name of Reverend Josh Longbottom. Perhaps some of you know Josh. He went to Eden Theological Seminary. And he said, Peter, I went to Eden Seminary and I got a lot of theory about prayer, but not much practice. <laughs> and I said to Josh, I said, well, I need you to go to the hospital now and go visit Betty Mole in the hospital. So this is what he wrote about the experience. On my way to a room to visit Betty Mole, I was quaking. When I came into the room, she said, son, get over here. I came over and she said, no, closer, take my hand. And I took her hand. And then she said, ask me how I'm doing. <laughs> so I did. And then she said, ask me how I feel. And I did. And then she said, 
ask me if I would like for us to pray together. And I did. And then Josh said, I had a lot of theory, but not much practice. And it was a scary moment. What should I say to her now? And I swear that it was somehow in her asking me in that moment that prompted the prayer that came out of me. And it was a prayer of thanks for the doctors and the nurses and thanks for all the people who love and surround Betty Mole. We prayed to God for trust in these times of concern and for patience with our bodies. And Josh said, that was a perfect prayer and a prayer that didn't come from me. <laughs> and after we finished praying and we said, amen, she slapped me on the behind <laughs> and she said, don't stay too long. <laughs> that so perfectly expresses Paul's words in Romans 8 when Paul says, we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. It's exactly what happened to Josh. He didn't know how to pray, but the Spirit came upon Josh that day, and the prayer was perfect. The truth is we all feel disillusioned by prayer now and then when we question its efficacy, whether it really does any good. We pray for peace in the Ukraine, and yet the missiles keep falling on kindergartens and apartment buildings and schools and hospitals. We pray for a miracle for a loved one to get well, and then they don't. We know that intellectually, God is not a puppet master up there pulling the strings. It's not as if every time we pray for rain, that rain will come, and not every time that we pray for the chiefs to win, that they win. Oh, okay, they did win, didn't they? <laughs> but we often sometimes think, that we can make God, bend God to our will, that we're in control here, and if we ask God for what we want, God's gonna give it to us, that we are in the driver's seat. And yet still, friends, in the face of evil and suffering in the world, we cry out, God, fix this, make this better. If you are a God of love, how can you let evil and suffering Exists. That's the ultimate theological question. We cannot help ourselves. We have an incurable longing for God. I love that famous quote from Thierry de Chardin, the paleontologist and theologian from France, who said that we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. We are spiritual beings in search of God. There's a story told that the rabbis gathered the concentration camp in Auschwitz, just were overwhelmed by the suffering and the evil that was all around them and wondered, why, God, are you not doing anything? Where are you, God? And they pronounced that God is dead. And then they cut their meeting short because they said, it's time for evening prayer. God is dead, evening prayer. We cannot help ourselves in our search for God. 
Frederick Buechner once said, and I think this is really profound, sometimes it does feel as if our prayers are unanswered. They go unanswered. And yet, Buechner suggests that at those very times may often be the times if we don't get the answer we want, that what we get is God herself. And maybe that's the most important thing of all. It's Jesus in the garden when he prayed, take this cup from my lips. And then he said, what? Not my will, but thy will be done. The most beautiful prayer of all, not my will, God, but thy will be done. I think that really in our heart of hearts, that we are called to be in that place just to open ourselves up to God. It's not about all our pretensions and our ego and our expertise and our certain style of praying. There's no such thing as being an expert when it comes to prayer. But what is being called for is to just be a little bit more humble, to be a little bit more vulnerable. And sometimes that takes being at the end of the rope. Sometimes that takes the hard knocks of life. But being in those moments in our lives when we are really stretched out and we turn to God and say, God, lead us and guide us. It's in precisely those places of our brokenness where we suddenly feel God's presence. I love those words from Leonard Cohen from that great song that he wrote, Anthem. And he said, there's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Sometimes it's in the cracks in our lives where the light can get in. So we need and are called to be a little bit hungry, a little bit poor, to be open to ourselves, to that God who is as far as a distant star and yet as close to us as our own breath. I know for me, and I'm speaking of myself, that what keeps me persistent when I get discouraged, what keeps me tenacious, what helps me pray continually is being reminded that not only is God like love or part of God is love, but God is love. To be reminded that God is love, that I could hear that voice that says to me from God through the Spirit, you are my beloved son, my beloved daughter, and upon you my favor rests. What a difference it makes if we can hear that whisper deep inside myself. You are loved. A long time ago, Henry Nouwen, the famous spiritual writer, was at a conference of United Church of Christ pastors down in Florida about 30 years ago, 1992-93. I know that dates me. But he spoke to us as a group of pastors and said, you know, you pastors are the hardest people to get into, to get open to God, because you got all these ideas and theories, like Josh going to seminary. And he said, you know, sometimes we have to be aware that this world, when the world throws you for a loop, when things are hard, when you run into people in the gym that have a shirt on that says, stay away, I don't like people. And sometimes we have that happen again and again and again. And sometimes even the people we love, Henry Nouwen said, even them, our partners, our parents, our mother, our father, our teacher, our pastor, our friends, they let us down. They disappoint us. 
And he said, when that happens, remember that your teacher's just your teacher and your pastor's just your pastor and your spouse is just your spouse and your parents are just their parents and your kids are just your kids. They're not perfect. But he says, remember this, every time they wound you and they hurt you and they disappoint you, they also catapult you back to your first love, which is that voice that says, you are my beloved and upon you my favor rests. Friends, if you could remember anything from the sermon, remember that, that when this world gets really tough, Remember that that can be the moment that it catapults you back to that voice that says, you are my beloved, and upon you my favor rests. And God knows there's lots of things in this world like that person with that t-shirt on, stay away, I don't like people. We'll have lots of those encounters. But know that also there's going to be another encounter with another t-shirt, and it's going to be the one that you need to hear in that moment more than anything else. Pray. As a woman said to me, I pray all the time. She preached the sermon. Amen.